0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program brought to you by Roberta's Pizza, robertaspizza.com.
0: Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: edition of Arts and Seizures this week, and uh, in the booth, producer of the stars, Jack Inslee, is back after a long time. What's going on, Jack? Hello. Oh, my God. You've grown up. You sound big. Yes. <laughs> well, good to see you and glad to hear you're going to learn more, more about progressive politics in the next 30 minutes than you have in the last three years twiddling those dials on this hippie radio station, Thank God.
0: Jack. More like 30 years.
1: <laughs> so get ready for it, because today our guest is the great Rick Perlstein. Um, And he is the author of many, as as Joe Frank would say, many, 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 many books. May he rest in peace. Uh, Love Joe Franklin, of course. And uh, Rick is, as Joe would say, bigger than big. He's big, 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 big. Um, Rick is the author's latest book is the New York Times bestseller, The Invisible Bridge, The Fall of Nixon, and The Rise of Reagan. It's a lot sexier than it sounds, I promise. Nixonland, The Rise of a President, and The Fracturing of America. Even sexier. Let me tell you something. It's one of my all-time favorite books is without a doubt – the best book on the era and the topic. Um, and and uh, before that, Before the Storm, um, uh, which sounds like a um, Bob Dylan record, but it's not. Before the Storm. It's Nat. <laughs> Barry Goldwater and the unmaking of the uh, American consensus. Rick, man, it's good to see you. Did you clear that music, Mike? Uh, you know, um, the James Brown estate is not letting us play the Funky President song. But we got something for you. We got something for you. But um, my question for you, let's get started right away because this is the fastest half hour on the Internet. We got a lot to talk about today. How the hell did we get in the mess we are
2: now? <laughs> <laughs> Which mess would you be referring to? Rick, Mike?
1: your books talk about um, how we went from, uh, say, Lyndon Johnson, who um, had a progressive plan. He talked about a war against poverty. There was Medicaid. There was education. He was desegregating schools. Um, all the things that any person would be crucified for now, but this was the American yeah. standard. We sort of you talk about how Southern values migrated north, and then the shit hit the fan. Paul, how did I yeah. saw a guy with a snowball, you know, standing in Congress today, telling me that you know this is why there's no climate change. I mean, this is what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> how did we get in this mess,
2: Mike? Those Negroes are awful scary. Yeah. So uh, 1964, right? Uh, to make a long story short, these books cover more pages than proust uh basically in 1964 lyndon johnson wins the presidential election with you know basically 45 states win 60 percent of the vote and he would signed the civil rights act which basically outlawed segregation in america and you know, he passed medicare which gave old folks medical care he invented the national endowment for the humanities he passed the national endowment for the Arts, you know the first uh, clean air legislation, clean water legislation. Yeah, right. When and, did when did clean air
1: become like a liberal thing? When did like like, like breathing and drinking clean water become a liberal cause? What Mike? I'm,
2: why do you hate America? because <laughs> well, I'm a hippie who likes to breathe. And then he's <laughs> and, and, well. Another thing is Vietnam, right? So uh, Lyndon yeah. Johnson, when he's campaigning against this far right conservative Barry Goldwater in 1964, Goldwater loses in this terrible landslide, and all the pundits say conservatism is dead, and we're basically going to be like. Like Sweden in five years, and uh, you know, two things happened Lyndon Johnson campaigns uh, on the proposition that he's not going to send American boys 10,000 miles away to do what Asian boys are supposed to do. And uh, people, uh, uh, you know, a year later are slapping bumper stickers on the car saying they said if I voted for Goldwater, we get a war in Vietnam. They were right. Yeah, boy, right. was boy. boy was they ever. Yeah, exactly. Lyndon Johnson escalated this war in Vietnam, which destroyed the great society and also destroyed our economy because he refused to raise taxes and created all the inflation in the seventies. The other thing is, basically, nineteen sixty-five rolls around, and uh, in addition to Lyndon Johnson winning this election, forty-seven. Uh, new liberal congressmen win election, and often they're in uh, districts that have been always represented by these reactionary conservatives. You know, Iowa had four Republicans and one Democrat, and then after 1964, they had four Democrats and one Republican. But then in 1966, it all goes back to the Republicans, and the reason is because, you know, uh, seven days after Lyndon Johnson signs the Voting Rights Act, we all saw Selma, the great movie about Martin Luther King, uh, this great. Uh, you know, heroic movement for uh, American liberalism in which he outlaws, you know, the discrimination against blacks in voting and declares under the Capitol Dome that the slaves came here in shackles and we finally uh, broke the last shackles of those fierce and ancient bonds, right? Seven days after that, uh, black people riot in Watts in 1966, their riots in Six or seven mm-hmm. cities, right? And uh, they try and pass an open housing bill, which is the first civil rights bill that affects the north as much as the south. And people in cities like Chicago, where I live, Especially freak Chicago. out. Right? They throw stones at Martin Luther King. And next thing you know, the great society is over. I mean, he had as bad in Chicago as he did in Selma. He said that, uh, that, that people in Mississippi should come to Chicago to learn how to hate. Man, do you think it's ever possible to
1: return to a time when this sort of progressive viewpoint, I mean, is popular or even winnable anymore? I mean, even you know, our, our Democratic candidates—they seem to be pandering toward the center. Of course, I guess maybe you know, Clinton sort of started that, but yeah. we seem to be in a really tough place where things that I think are just common sense—again, you know, clean water, air, educating our right. children—you know, believing in science.
2: I mean, what what happened to all these things? My brother, history can turn on a very narrow pivot,
1: which is why everything I. No, I've learned from professional wrestling. If it's not working today, if a good guy's not working today, make him a bad guy tomorrow and see if that sells.
2: You know, it might just happen, you know? (laughs) I mean, no one saw the Russian Revolution coming in 1916, 1917. It's... It's you know I'll tell Completely
1: you, changed I'll tell you what I was in Berlin Right before the wall there came down, go. Like literally three weeks Beforehand um, Partying by the wall And the relationship With the people there The punk rockers And hippies and freaks That I knew In um, West Berlin As it was right. as known then um, They felt very bad For the other people On this other side of the wall The DDR um, But they also knew The wall made them They hated the wall But they knew it made them special That once the wall came down They wouldn't be sort of This jewel in the middle Of a communist block uh-huh. um, No clue that the wall Was coming yeah, down yeah, Three yeah, weeks none. later I was They're watching but, it on TV
2: Yeah and you know His history is full of ironies, right? Uh, you know, I, I went to uh, Berlin last spring, it was an amazing trip, and one of the things I learned was uh, basically East Germany, in East Germany, and in, in East Berlin, uh, the Soviet you know didn't really want to mess with the churches, that would be too kind of, kind of controversial. So they, they kind of let the Catholic Church kind of like, you know, glide along in Germany. So what happened? All the all the freaking, oh, I can say fucking, all the fucking punk rockers in East Berlin and East Germany meet in the Catholic churches. And, you know, the kind of uh, the the uprising against the Soviet Union was launched in the Catholic churches in East Germany by punk rockers, who basically were able to get safe haven uh, you know, you never know. You really never know, and you know that's where we transition to Chicago. But that's up to you. Let's, you're
1: let's the horse. Yeah, no. Let's make you're the
2: horse. No, we'll
1: make that. We'll
2: make that segue. Let's talk about your
1: love affair uh, with um, the, the Mayor uh, Rahm Emanuel. I love the guy. I know you do. You, you got you got a giant boner. Your boner for him is almost as big as my um, legit, not kayfabe boner for
2: Elizabeth Warren, which we're going to talk about too. It's, um, but, so it's why? Why bigger than uh, Ram Emanuel's middle finger? So why have you been ch- chasing Ram Emanuel so hard? You know, for for
1: years you've been beating up. Well, on You've been,
2: re- you've been reading my stuff. I mean, what's your kind of takeaway?
1: Well, he's a scumbag, and like, you know, and he's he's corrupt. And you're speaking truth to power, of course. Uh, but you're talking about things that seem so normal now. I mean, I read about the stuff Chris Christie's doing. It's like, oh, I'm you know going to go jet off to Tel Aviv or wherever the fuck he's going, and like let you know corporations pay for it and foreign powers pay for it. And I mean, maybe some of this is an extension of
2: Citizens United. Right? Some of the, it's just like,
1: why do these people think they can get away with this? Is-
2: Israel's ambassador to uh, the United States is a former uh, New Gingrich aid.
1: it's it's you know it's all. I mean you know in the revolving you know door that is Washington and Wall Street. How do people think they can get away with this? sort of well, –
2: Rahm Emanuel you know spun through the revolving door with with alacrity, right? Uh, after he was uh, you know the guy in the Clinton administration who was responsible for giving us the North American Free Trade Agreement, which. Uh, Achieved the remarkable feat of destroying jobs in Mexico and the United States, but, you know, like uh, funneling money up to corporations, which is why Barack Obama still says it's okay. Uh, Rahm Emanuel was behind that in the Clinton administration. He leaves the Clinton administration. He goes into investment banking. What does he know about banking, Mike? i guessing not a lot, Rick. But what does he know? He knows, <laughs> he knows people. He knows, he, knows people. He's right. he knows phone numbers. He's got a Rolodex. He's got a Rolodex. So he sells his Rolodex uh, worth to Wall Street. a lot Street. more than my bank account. <laughs> right. He sells his Rolodex to Wall Street. He becomes an influence peddler. In two and a half years, he makes $18 million. $18 million. He's set for life. Uh, he uh, runs for Congress in Chicago. He uh, wins. And in Congress, he becomes the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And you know what he did as the head of the person who recruits candidates for the Democratic Party to run? Tell us, Rick. Uh, Well, he uh, basically decided that he was going to starve all the progressive candidates of funds. And shovel money at these former Marines, former Republicans, and get them to run as Democrats in, in you know, like uh, the South. You know, Heath Schuller from North Carolina was his former you know, big man on campus football quarterback. Uh, some of them make it into Congress and they move the Democratic Party further to the right. And then in 2006, when the Democrats take over Congress, if you'll recall, because the Republicans had created this awful, remember, war in Iraq. Suddenly, he's rushing to the microphones and taking credit for it, even though all his candidates a, lost. A rare
1: example of trickle down actually working when you had like a nincompoop at the top, and <laughs> all of a sudden they cleaned house. Yeah, I understand uh, there might be another Bush in the White
2: House. Any chance of that? Well, let's not change the subject. So, Rahm Emanuel then, after uh, his, after screwing things up for the Democrats in Congress, uh, fails upward. Uh, by becoming Rahm Emanuel's chief of staff. And you know what his greatest accomplishment as chief of staff for – I mean, Barry Barry Obama. You know, <laughs> you know what his greatest champ, uh, accomplishment for Barack Obama in the White House was? Tell us, Rick. He uh, told Barack Obama that it was a fool's errand to pursue health care reform because he had this theory that Barack Obama should only pursue programs that were guaranteed to win. Rahm Emanuel has this crazy reputation as this brave – Ballsy, courageous guy. Actually, he's the biggest coward in Washington. He's
1: a thin-skinned hack from what I hear.
2: Yes, because he would not pursue anything that he didn't know in advance was going to win. So it took Nancy Pelosi to convince Barack Obama not to give up on health care. So he fails at that. And, uh, Mike, you had a good theory about why he ended up running for uh, mayor of Chicago. Yeah, because Obama said, do me a favor. Get the fuck out of town and, and I'll root for you somewhere else. Leave friend. Washington. I'll back you somewhere else. He comes back. I shouldn't say he comes back to Chicago because he wasn't from Chicago. He was from Winnetka. <laughs> Mike, you know <laughs> well, Melchino, you're, you're Chicago you're, a little you're, bit.
1: Yeah, you're from Chicago. So Winnetka is to Chicago
2: as – Great neck. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Even, 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 even. Uh, you know, like the Hamptons. <laughs> you know, it's it, he's basically from the rich suburbs, and uh, you know he has a condo in Chicago, and he runs. For mayor, And because he raises uh, basically 10 times more than all the, all the other candidates combined from all his corporate friends, he becomes mayor and he proceeds to sell off the city to corporate interests with alacrity. And look, again, begs the question, how the fuck does
1: he think he can get away with it? But I also want to ask. Well, you, he did get away with it. But, but like he's still like, you know, he's being he's obviously owned and bought and, 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 and you know, and he's on a shopping spree for other people. But the um, question is. Can you buy an election? Can you actually buy an election uh, You know, in, in this early part of the 21st century? And, of course, um, now you know he lost uh, this election. He got well, kind of beat right. up. He didn't now, win a majority. The um, and it was an embarrassment for him. It's an embarrassment for his buddy Obama. Let's. And we'll talk about your buddy Chewy.
2: Right. So can you buy an election in America? This is the question facing every Chicagoan this week. So Tuesday, February 23rd. Chicago went to the polls for the first round in our mayoral elections. The way the system works that we have in Chicago is uh, if you win 50% of the vote in a nonpartisan election, in what happened to uh, uh, have uh, five candidates who got in the ballot this time, you're reelected as mayor. But if you don't get 50%, you go in a runoff with the second place finisher, head to head. And going into that election last Tuesday, Rahm Emanuel, who raised Fifteen million dollars for himself and fifteen million dollars for his political action committee, uh, from uh, corporate donors. One hundred six of his top donors, the Chicago Tribune found. Of, of the hundred six top donors, sixty had received received juicy favors from the si- of the city once Rahm Emanuel became mayor. Uh, so they had the first round, and going into uh, Tuesday's election, the poll said he would win forty eight percent. And then after that poll, Barack Obama came and endorsed him, and everyone was like, this is it. He's going to roll it up on Tuesday. Lo and behold. Looks like Barry Obama doesn't have the game he used to. Well, I think it's not so much Barack Obama, but people have really had it up to here with Rahm Emanuel's corruption, and he only wins 45% of the vote. And the second-place finisher, who's this very modest, soft-spoken, compassionate Mexican immigrant, by the way, named uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia, wins way more than people thought he would, 36% of the vote. He's going into a runoff with Rahm Emanuel. And suddenly, in Chicago, people are beginning to feel like history is turning on a hinge and that Quite possibly we could end the career of the most malodorous politician that the Democrats have seen in a generation. Nothing like like a good underdog to energize the populace. He is an underdog. He calls himself in true Chicago with a Chicago accent, I'm the neighborhood guy. <laughs> I'm the neighborhood guy. Well, Chicago politics just ain't what it used to be, huh? Uh, well, it is what it used to be because in 1983 – Chicago elected uh, an anti-machine reformer named Harold Washington, an African-American, who threw the rascals out. And he was able to do so because the African-Americans of Chicago and the Hispanics of Chicago and the white liberals of Chicago finally stopped fighting with each other. They put down their arms and stopped the the circular firing squad. And the machine was on the run. And he was transforming Chicago. Uh, Immediately uh, after he won the Democratic nomination, which had traditionally been uh, tantamount to election in a one-party town, the Republicans put up a candidate who ran in the slogan, before it's too late, and he almost won. But uh, you know, Harold Washington squeaked in, and then uh, immediately the, the the white majority, the machine majority, in the city council gridlocked city government, and made it impossible for him to govern.
1: And that sounds like a, a microcosm of uh, the big government. I mean, before it's too late, right. and fear mongering always, always uh, in mode, in right? Mode, and do you want to know how
2: how that the the story ends in the eighties before we move on? Tell me. Uh, so um, uh, finally. Uh, 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 they redistrict and uh, they uh, the redistricting uh, enfranchises Hispanic neighborhoods and a couple of Hispanic aldermen win. That gives him a, a majority on the city council. He can finally institute his program and a new day dawns in Chicago and he wins re-election comfortably. And you know the tragic ending of this story. He dies of a heart attack. But now, progressives in Chicago are saying that the Harold Washington Coalition that destroyed the bad guys, the dailies in Chicago in the 1980s, is back. And it's just amazing what's happening in Chicago. We are all completely energized. And uh, look, I don't know how many listeners you have, eight or nine? At least today, and yeah. probably
1: two of them are in from Chicago. But they have checkbooks, so tell them. Give us the information. You should go
2: to chui, C U C H U Y Garcia. I don't know what his website is. At Chewy Garcia's website. You can friend me on Facebook, Rick Perlstein, and I have all these links. And you should donate because this is the progressive fight of 2015. I think it's very progressive. A nice Jewish boy like you wants to elect a man named Jesus. Yes, there you go.
1: Um, and he's going to be our savior. I, I hope so because I'm just. I mean, I'm horrified by all this. I mean, it makes. He me walks want- on water, Mike. It, may- <laughs> it makes me want to turn the TV off. I just I just go 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 nuts when I when I see this shit. Um, I'm having. A, I'm sort of laughing with Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Right now, I gotta I got say. Um, because, as again, as I've learned everything I know from professional wrestling, he's just a heel and he just seems to be trolling everybody. And why don't people seem to get that? He, I mean, he can't be held up to the same standards as Brian Williams or a. Real journalist. He is just, he's a bad guy and he's a bully and that's what he does and lying is part and parcel of it. So I'm just kind of amazing that people are like, you know, chasing him down the rabbit hole. Isn't that what he wants them to do? I
2: I actually, I I did an article in the Baffler last couple years ago called The Long Con, in which I argued that the only way you can kind of make it with that crowd is to prove that you're the more brazen liar. And that's why Mitt Romney finally was able to earn credibility among uh, the conservatives who doubted him because, of course, he past universal healthcare in Massachusetts, and had been pro-choice. But once he proved that he could lie with the best of them, that's when conservatives said, "Wow, he really is one of us." Well, it's a
1: lot easier to sell a big lie than a little lie, right? Who said that, Mike? I don't know, but it's true. It's true, right? Garbles. I'll tell you what. Let's take a, let's take a break for a couple minutes. We got a word from our sponsor, uh, Jack Insley in the booth. You have a sponsor? Uh, we do. Can you believe it? You just enjoyed their pizza, Jack. Give that a twirl. We'll be back on Arts and Seizures with the great Rick Pearlstein. My name is Brandon Boyd. Co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Wow, can you dig in? Don't forget that Heritage Radio and Arts and Seizures is member supported. So if you're looking at your little Google machine, you see a button that says donate or be a member. Click that thing, send us some dough, and uh, Rick Perlstein will come over to your house and make some cookies. Uh- <laughs>
2: that guy, Brandon, we met, yeah. he owns this place. Yeah, can you believe it? Wow. That's, that's another case of the good guys winning. Wow. It happens.
1: Dreams yeah. can come well, true. You know, right? it's it's like it can happen
2: to you. Yeah, you know, they talk about blue America and red America and all those cats in red America. So that you know, like blue America is full of these welfare cheats who are kind of sucking on the tea to the hardworking Americans. Everyone who knows anything knows that the blue states basically subsidize the red states, which are much less economically productive.
1: Uh, there's no substitution for hard work. It's amazing though how this myth, be- how these myths grow.
2: Mm. I mean, it's- let me tell you about myths, man. Here in <laughs> Chicago, right? Since since Chuy Garcia is the pre- progressive candidate. Uh, I'm kind of monomaniacal this week. Uh, you know, my conservative friends are like, "Oh, he's going to bankrupt Chicago. He's going to turn it into Detroit." <laughs> but I mean, this guy Chewy Garcia was a member of uh, the Cook County Board, and when he when 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 progressives took over the Cook County Board, the person of a woman named Ter- uh, 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 Tony Preckwinkle and, and Chewy Garcia became her floor leader. They immediately turned down this very turned around this very dire fiscal situation in the county. People were like, "Oh my God we've got deficits as far as the eyes can see. We can never we can never get a, get, our, get, a, get, get you know get ahead on this. we can never ba- balance this budget." immediately almost like within a couple of years, they eliminated the waste fraud and abuse that they inherited. Uh, they in fact got rid of the property tax, and they balanced the budget. Now here, uh, no good deed goes unpunished, right? The Chicago Tribune, with the big, the, the big paper in Chicago, which is running expose after expose of Rahm Emanuel's lies. He you know, ra- lied about the red light cameras that he instituted. He uh, lied about his school closings, He lied about uh, banning uh, contractors from contributing to uh, uh, elections in Chicago. The, the Chicago Tribune was actually, is absolutely obsessed with balanced budgets and deficits and, you know, Chicago's fiscal situation. And they endorse not this guy who actually has balanced the budget and turned around a fiscal situation, Chewy, the progressive guy, but Rahm Emanuel because they say, oh, he balanced budgets. He, you know, uh, he, 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 he submitted, you know, uh, balanced budgets. But, you know, the balanced budgets he submitted were just full of chicanery. And, you know, I really feel that uh, – if Chicago reelects this guy, Rahm Emanuel, he is going to embarrass us in the same way that several of our gov- governors have embarrassed us. And, Mike, you know Illinois. How have the <laughs> Illinois governors embarrassed us? Uh,
1: a high percentage of them.
2: Listen, Rick, is it even They're possible – They're in jail.
1: Is it even possible to become president of the United States without being owned? You know, by 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 your donors.
2: Yeah, you got to be rich, like like Franklin Roosevelt. Well, or
1: or Mitt Romney. I mean, no, no, Franklin Roosevelt. (laughs)
2: You know, was willing to 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 to, to help the rich in America to go piss up a rope because he knew these guys. He knew they were clowns. But when you like hire these kind of nouveau riche guys like Obama. And Clinton, you know, they kind of hold rich people in awe. Well,
1: I think. Well, I think there's a, there's a lot of myth about Clinton. There's a lot of uh, emperor's new clothes with Bill Clinton. I mean, uh, and we could talk about uh, the other Clinton, who uh, most likely will be there's for president. Clinton. There's another Clinton, and there's another Bush.
2: There's only one Clinton, it- George Clinton. <laughs> oh, can I say that without paying a royalty?
1: <laughs> that was that was directed towards you, Jack, producer of the stars, essentially. Um Hillary's owned by Wall Street as far as I, I, I can see. I mean, just where the money's coming most from. Deaf. Most deaf. You know, most deaf. And what about what about Elizabeth Warren? Does she even have a chance in hell? I mean, I, I get a hard on every time I hear her talk.
2: Yeah, I know, but... Um, Hillary, Does she have a chance? I mean... Hillary Clinton gets really good ratings among self-identified liberals. Self-identified liberals. So, half the
1: country more or less is blue, and half the country more or less is red. What was the popular vote uh, when it came in the last election? It was like fifty-one percent Obama. No, no, right? like fifty-three percent. Fifty-three percent. Nonetheless, fifty-three to forty-seven. If it were a college basketball game, it would be called a squeaker. It's mm-hmm. not this overwhelming red majority, and of course, right. you know it always comes down to Ohio or Virginia right. or Florida. I mean, because we
2: have this undemocratic system, right? We, Where we do. Like, Nevada has, you know. Uh, You know, well, Nevada is actually a bad example. Wyoming, you know, or or, (laughs) Montana, North Dakota, or Montana, you know, have or Alaska, where pot's legal today, right? And they have as many senators as you know, New York or Connecticut, right? Which is basically, you know, that uh, Mike Edison uh, senators representing seven percent of the population can filibuster legislation preferred by senators representing ninety three percent of the country. That's how undemocratic our system is.
1: Um, is there a solution, Rick? I mean, a lot of people have suggested getting rid of you know, the Electoral College, or, or, or. And of course, you I mean, can't actually. I mean, it's I mean there's so much the gerrymandering going in. Yeah, well, we can, we've, we've, we've changed the Constitution before, it's happened.
2: No, actually, the, 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 the Constitution has an ironclad contract that you cannot change uh, the composition of the Senate without well, ending the Constitution itself. Ah, the kind of like the, uh, the kind self like destruct mechanism. Yeah, you in have Star to Trek. push this button. You know, yeah, uh, Mission Impossible. Right, this table self destruct in five seconds. But there's there's lots of things we can do.
1: But the, but the electoral college though, is still, it could, might be up for grabs. Uh,
2: well, uh, you could actually. Um, some states have um pledged to uh uh if 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 enough states pledge to give their electoral college votes in proportion to their popular votes, uh. If they pledge to do that, then they'll you know do that so it's it's kind of like a um uh, there's all kinds of reforms that people have suggested uh filibustering i mean gerrymandering in the house is absolutely uh ghastly but um you know for example, in a state like uh, Pennsylvania which voted like fifty six percent of the the population of Pennsylvania voted for Democrats in the last congressional election, but it's uh represented by thirteen republicans and I think five Democrats, right? That's very undemocratic. That's because when Republicans control state legislators, le- legislators they draw the legislative districts to put all the Democrats uh, as close together in one district as possible. Uh, so, like, you know, the Democrat will win with like 80% of the vote. Uh, and the way they work that out mathematically is, as uh, one of Tom DeLay's aides put it in a, a very indiscreet uh, email, uh, we can control the country no matter what the mood. Wow, you know, but it's really depressing. But but there are there there's there's hope on the horizon. It it
1: is depressing, and I got to ask you. I mean, I I I love your books, and I'm a great admirer of yours, as you know. Don't doesn't covering all this just like kind of make you want to leap off a fucking bridge? I mean,
2: Oh, I, after I, this, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm going to like I, I mean, become a jazz drummer. I, I cover this, this, this stuff.
1: Uh, oh, like the, like the cat and whiplash. Cause that looked like fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, more like Antonio Sanchez and Birdman. Right, right, right,
1: right. You're, we can talk about jazz for a second, but, uh, we, but first I want to ask yeah, you, outlets, you, you, you want to handicap the uh, next presidential race real, real fast. Well, the I Democrats
2: mean, are going to win. Basically the, the way our system is working is that in high turnout elections in, 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 in presidential years uh, uh, the majority is Democratic because people vote, and the fact of the matter is, in those low turnout elections in the off years, uh, the Republicans win because only old rich people vote.
1: Old rich people. What about the scared poor people?
2: They don't vote. They don't vote. So, so the Democrats will win the presidential election, but uh, the the Republicans will keep Congress.
1: One can only hope. Is there a real difference?
2: Sure, there is. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, you know, um, you know, the other day, you know, Hillary Clinton tweeted. Uh, the sky is blue, one plus one equals two, and human beings cause cl- climate change, right? I, I don't think you'd get a single Republican to uh, endorse that opinion. <laughs>
1: um yeah, I, you know, but that's the thing. I just, I just think that they're so close to each other. I really don't know. One thing about the Democrats I always to say, at least when you know Bill Clinton was, was president versus the guy that came before him, the guy you know that uh, Bush came after him, uh, one, one, one of the Bushes. Um, but it's like at least he doesn't want like me, and all like my, my gay punk rock artist friends dead. You know, at nice. least the president now knows who the Ramones are. At least he has a daughter. <laughs> you, know, you know, he has a daughter who's got like some hip hop on, on her on her uh, yeah right? you know, on her iPhone. You know, yeah. Well, the president, you know, you know, he's probably you know he wants to be Jay Z, but. At at least at least he's hip a little bit he doesn't want me and my friends dead Snoop which is the way i felt dog. which is the way I, which is the way i really felt when reagan was president when the bushes were president i just felt like this unbelievable disdain for me and everything that i've everything that i do my lifestyle my friends my my, my, my dreams my aspirations all that good american shit i felt were like as easily to be stomped on by the guy in charge you know, as by my own ineptitude.
2: <laughs> well, well, you know, isn't that something? <laughs> isn't that isn't that worth something?
1: Worth something. Let's it's, talk about music. It's depressing. Yeah. So uh, I've been beating up on you a little bit lately because because you're you're a, you know such a fusion fan.
2: Uh, I like all
1: kinds of music, yeah. man. I know. Well, you know what Duke said and Louis Armstrong said it before. There are only two kinds of music, Rick.
2: Good and bad. That's right, and I prefer and, the and former. Al El is good. No, I'm just <laughs> now I'm busting your chops.
1: Uh, oh man, I saw him. It was, it's, it's the worst, you know. Um, like I said, those fusion cats, like jazz rock thing. The problem is, and I know you love Yako and I love so many people. Jaco, Jaco, Jaco. Uh, there's. I love Yako Smirnoff. Yako Smirnoff. That's that's probably where, that's probably his current career is probably like where I'm going to end up. Yeah, in Branson. Like, like that's like life after Heritage Radio is Branson, Missouri. Yeah, well, you know, you'd be crying your way all the way to the uh, bank. <laughs> But, you know, it's like guys Guys, I mean, you can play. There's no question about it. And, you know, the Cats it's and so Weather cool. Report and whatnot – when they the second they introduce rock, the problem is they have bad taste in rock, you know. And rock itself is not meant to be an improvisational medium, which is the very definition of jazz, right? I mean, do you think Sinatra? Well, Frank, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like for instance, do you think
2: Frank Sinatra Mike, is a jazz artist? So you're admitting it? Like rock and roll musicians can't play?
1: No, I said it's not by nature an improvisational medium. I mean, sure, I mean, there are elements that go to different places, you know, but you know, more, you have long more funk jazz musicians. And whatnot, but there's not a lot of improvising going on in two minutes of Little Richard screaming his head off, and that's probably the neoplatonic ideal of what rock and all is
2: right. Well, well Viva la difference! And you know, and if
1: Keith Jarrett spent more time listening to Fats Domino, it'd be a better world.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> is that really where we want to end this conversation? So why, why are
2: you gonna? Why are you gonna? Why are you gonna beat up on the underdog and? cats who like who he's not an underdog dude no, no 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 but like jazz musicians you know they sweat and they struggle and they know uh, that they're not going to get rich
1: I, listen I love jazz musicians I love jazz I believe in jazz and I believe in a purity and a higher calling of jazz and you know sometimes I come home and I'm a little bit fucked up and I smoke a little pot and I listen to like John Coltrane live at the Village Vanguard and you know I'm lying there on my couch I say oh man this guy's a genius and then I smoke a little more pot I say and I'm a genius because I'm the only guy who understands it I mean it's, Fuck, di- it's difficult stuff it's
2: not p- for the p- masses p- p- but p- the the are
1: very high. Put it, on weather but, but, report,
2: put it on weather reports live and unreleased. But, you
1: know, jazz, like so many things in life, Rick, it's sometimes it's a putting in, not a taking out.
2: What? <laughs> you know, in, and in the end, it's the love that you make, is e- take that is equal to the love that you make
1: okay and if only Hillary Clinton would adopt that as her campaign slogan Word. maybe I'd get get behind her all right as always it has been the fastest 30 minutes on the internet wow, that today. Went fast. super duper we hit 30 to 110 Rick tell everybody quickly where we can find you your book of course the current book of this massive trilogy that rivals the Lord of the Rings in uh in its in its incredible almost unbelievability except it's fucking true um and I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about Ronald Reagan who to me is like you know there's this sort of like glow about him and there's this preternatural touch by God quality That I'm still amazed by But you'll come back We'll talk about Reagan yeah. We'll talk about Elvis
2: We'll hit, talk about Jocko We'll talk about Weather Report And we'll see Who wins the election Will you come, in, come back After the election? Yeah, hit me up on Facebook You know, I got 4,500 friends I got 500 left Before they tap me out
1: Alright, find Rick, uh, Rick Perlstein On Facebook His new book is The Invisible Bridge uh, For Jack in the booth And everybody at The Heritage Radio Network We're going to see you Next week on Arts Census Seizures